From KLCC Studios, this is Oregon on the Record. I'm Michael Dunn. For people of my generation, the concept of fear at school more often than not revolved around simpler things like the fear of not fitting in, failing a class, or not getting a date for prom. And sure, there was fear of violence, but no more than getting a black eye during a fight at recess. Today, unfortunately, kids face so many more fears during school than we ever did. Google the word school, and one of the most common suggested follow-up words is shooting. And even though school shootings are still thankfully rare, the mere fact of their possibility takes a huge toll on our kids. Today on Oregon on the Record, we're finishing our series on the challenges in education by talking about the mental health impact violence has on our kids and the steps schools take to try and make them as safe as possible. It's both a mental health and safety challenge that partially defines school in 2024. Today on Oregon on the Record, you're gonna hear from two experts. One, about the mental health impacts of this fear among children and how professionals help kids overcome such anxieties. And the second, from a school resource officer whose job it is to make sure the unthinkable act of a school shooting never happens. First, we'll hear from a counselor at South Lane County Mental Health about how kids today really need support to cope with the fear from real and perceived violence at school. Trevor Whitbread, who is a marriage and family therapist with South Lane Mental Health. Thanks so much for coming on and talking to us. Yeah, sure. My pleasure. Yeah. Um, you know, in an ideal world, school is supposed to feel safe. It's supposed to be a safe place for kids to learn and to grow and so on and so forth. Obviously, and luckily, it doesn't happen very often. But, but you know, in our, in, our, in our modern world, the idea of violence at schools is, is something that we've kind of, you know, been reticent but, but reluctantly forced to accept that it's going to happen and it seems to happen more and more. Whether or not that's true or not, I'm not sure. But I, my question to you is, do you have patients, do you have, do, you have, do you have kids who come to you? Obviously, you know, we're very fortunate. I'm, I'm, I'm unaware of a, of a school shooting in our direct community recently but obviously when when it is talked about uh, uh you know violence especially something as, as 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 grotesque and awful as a school shooting you know do do some of the patients that you treat talk about a fear that they have of going to school because something like this has happened somewhere else and they think it could happen here and to me yeah the short answer is yes i don't think that that fear is um, I would say like a facet of most youth's daily experiences at school. Okay. However, it is there um, and it surfaces in a very real way uh, during active shooter drills, which do happen in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand the intention behind those is good, but it does put youth, um, you know, students, teachers, and uh, school administrative staff in a situation in which they literally have to think about that happening in their school and uh, act accordingly. And I don't know what it's like for all young people. I do know what it's like for some of the students that talk to me and even some educators, and it's terrifying. Yeah. And that... (laughs) And that's certainly, I guess, it's indicative of where we are because obviously things like that didn't exist, you know, decades ago or generations ago. Um, you know, I think when people talk about a term like 
post-traumatic stress disorder, we always tend to think about adults, especially those in the military or what whatnot. But I mean, is is PTSD in whatever form or whatever reason why it might occur? Is that a real thing that befalls students today? Oh, definitely. You know, one of the um, first criteria for um, PTSD in the DSM-5 is... And what is that? I'm sorry, the DSM-5? Oh, yeah, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Okay. It's the um, American, the the APA or the uh, American Psychiatric Association's uh, sort of official guide um, and record of like uh, diagnostic criteria for different mental health conditions. Okay. Uh, and the one of the first criteria is uh, direct or indirect exposure to uh, traumatic event or some kind of harm. So um, I I think and that's that can be indirect or direct or even knowing someone who went through something. Hmm. So. Um, the definition is quite broad, uh, or at least the first criteria of like the, uh, you know, of PTSD. Okay. And, and then from there, it kind of specifies into sort of like symptoms and different things. But the, the first part is like, so many people do have that hmm. and, um, those experiences do affect them for sure. Yeah. Um, in your practice, have you seen an increase in treating patients for something like PTSD in, 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 in the amount of time that you've been a practicing clinician? Mm. It's a good question. Uh, my honest answer would be I'm not so sure yet because I've only been practicing for about three years. Okay. I've I've worked in mental health and, and nonprofits in different ways, but okay. as, as far as direct services with folks go, okay. I, I, I'm not sure. And uh, I think part B to that answer is that sometimes it can be hard to distinguish between PTSD, which is like a cluster of symptoms and other conditions such as, um, you know, depression and anxiety, uh, especially if uh, people are, um, reluctant to disclose uh, the things they might actually have experienced or be thinking about that um, it could be more kind of in line with PTSD criteria versus other um, uh, conditions that, sure. are, that are common. Let me uh, remind our listeners that we're talking with uh, Trevor Whitbread. He is a marriage and family therapist with South Lane Mental Health. You know, Trevor, my last question for you goes go something like this. Um, there are many parents who, who you know, prob- may not have the skills and, and, and uh, awareness, whatever you want to say, to certainly diagnose their, their, their own child. But, but I, my question to you is, is, you know, it could be that, that, that some parents say, oh, you know, school's tough. It was tough in my day, you know, and, and so my child maybe is talking about, you know, that they hate school or, 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 or they have, you know, reticence about school and that's just par for the course versus, hey, something might be really troubling them or there might be a real issue. Is there a general guideline that you think, uh, you know, you, you'd give to a parent to say, 
if if your your child is maybe displaying a symptom like this, that might be indicative of a larger issue than just, you know, they don't like school because 15-year-olds tend to not like school. Does that make sense in terms of, you know, is there is there a general at least to get the ball rolling for a parent to say, "Hmm, maybe this this goes beyond the scope of of my help as a parent and I might need to uh, you know, seek an outside counsel on this. Yeah, that's a great question. The, the first thing I would say is to, to all parents, you know, grandparents and guardians is that you are the expert um, when it comes to your, your child or youth, and no one is going to know more about them than you. Hmm. And, um, so even if you don't feel confident, trust your instincts. If you feel like something is different or off or you've noticed a change in behavior, um, ask for some help in figuring out what that might be. Um, I would also say, too, that in order to do that, it's really important to just have open conversations with your children about all things, not just. Um, did you do your chores? It's time to go to bed. It's time to go to school. And, um, you know, when conversation is open up to all things, youth are more likely to share what's going on in their day-to-day experiences, and they'll be used to sharing with, like, you as a parent or guardian. And if you ever feel stuck or have questions, you know, Southway Mental Health, and I, I can say as an employee here and just as someone who works as a, a therapist, like, our doors are open. Like, there's no wrong question hmm. or foolish thing to say or ask about. Um, people are always welcome to, to just come and ask a question or come to an appointment to figure something out or um, do one thing and then they're good for a while. Not everyone has to be in therapy for months or years or, or whatever. Um, all kinds of people come for specific reasons to see us. And like I said, there's no wrong question or door. Got it. Got it. Well, Trevor Whitbread, thank you so much for, for, for coming on and, and talking to us. Yeah, I appreciate the time. Thank you. And now we're going to talk to a police officer who's also a school resource officer in our schools working to make them safe. Officer Matt Newton of the Springfield Police Department, thanks so much for coming in and talking to us. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. As I understand it, you're a school resource officer. Tell us about that job. What does the job entail of a school resource officer? Well, there's several different uh, aspects of it, and one of them is definitely being a police officer for mm-hmm. sure, but I would call that the last portion, but okay. um, there's other important things that I do. One, mentoring, okay. two, counseling, and some even teaching. Oh, wow. I go into classrooms, talk about certain things, uh, subjects, different things with students in different classes. You know, I'm there as kind of another trusted adult that kids can kind of come to that they see. I'm just a regular other person that mm-hmm. can listen to what they maybe want to talk to me about or you know, whether it be very simple or whether it be very complex. But the number one thing I think is to build relationships and let those uh, students and and even staff know that 
I'm there to kind of help them out. So it sounds like it's really a role that's not necessarily sort of in the background blending into the woodwork. It's very much out in front and, and really, you know, walking the halls and really being very, very um, public with the kids and, 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 and the teachers that are there. Absolutely. Uh, the first thing I always say is I want to be approachable. Okay. I want kids to feel comfortable with me to be able to come up and, and talk to me about whatever, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, sports that they're playing mm-hmm. or classes they're taking or maybe their grades or um, even maybe uh, their job that they're, they're having. Shoot, okay. I've sat down with one kid and um, he said, hey, Officer Newton, I, I, I have a job and at the end of the month I, I have no money left and I can't figure out why. <laughs> and I actually said, well, have you ever done a budget? And he's basically looked at me dumbfounded and said, no, oh, we sat down with it. Hey, what sure. do you make? What, what are you spending money on? And classic, he was a nice young man that had a girlfriend. And <laughs> unfortunately that was probably where a lot of his money was going. And um, we basically decided that, hey, you know, he doesn't have to pay for a lot of different things. And she was willing to pay for some things. Mm-hmm. And he gave that a try and lo and behold, he came to me next month. He goes, hey, guess what? I had money left over. <laughs> so I will help kids out yeah. even with simple, sure. small things sure, like that. Sure. Well, it's, it's interesting because obviously when you're walking the corridors in a uniform, that obviously, you know, for a lot of circumstances in life, that might might set people not necessarily on edge, but like, oh, is something going on? It sounds like part of your job is to almost de-emphasize the uniform and really emphasize the person. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. Um, I would say that that's the the number one goal I have each and every year because I have a new set of kids coming in sure. or even kids that may have been there for a year and didn't quite know what my role was or, or how to, how to interact with me. And so f- maybe they got another year under their belt. Maybe they talked to somebody else that has maybe interacted with me and then they're comfortable enough. But yeah, um, you know, I, d- I don't mind what the kids even call me. They don't, <laughs> they don't have to call me officer and they can call me Matt. They can okay. call me Mr. Newton. I have some kids that call me just like a, uh, if I were a science teacher and I just want to be there to, to kind of get to know them, let them know me. I mm-hmm. mean, I'll share some things with them about my personal life and we kind of start to move forward. I know that those kids eventually, even at the high school level, are going to be out in the world and going to be adults. And I want to give them the impression that, hey, cops are just like regular people too, sure. and they're there to help you. Sure. Let me reintroduce you for our, our audience. We're talking with Officer Matt Newton. He's a, a school resource officer, an officer with the Springfield Police Department in our show about safety at school. So, you know, maybe talk in general terms of your job in terms of keeping the school safe, you know, especially from a person who shouldn't be on campus. Well, my presence alone, I Mm -hmm. think, is a deterrent maybe for somebody who would want to do harm at a school. Um, But I think, you know, the school has looked at safety. I think a lot of schools across the country have looked at safety lately, and they're changing things about how the school looks or how people can enter the school. you know, there's no perfect method. Okay. Um, I, I don't like this example, but I hear it a lot where people say we spend a lot more safety and security on our money than we do on our children. Hmm. And But at the same time, I understand that if we were to build schools like banks and hard, you know, to enter places, it's not going to be a very welcoming learning environment, which is the primary purpose for that building. So my presence, my help... Um, encourages, I guess, increases maybe the potential that something wouldn't happen. It doesn't take it away. It's not perfect, but I have my eyes out because my brain operates like a police officer where the teachers wouldn't. And when I see things that potentially look like a danger, 
uh, I can alert the right right folks. Um, or if they think they see something, they can come get me, mm-hmm. and I'm immediately there. I grew up in the West Coast, and I'm c- certainly you know a different generation than the kids you're 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 uh, uh, interacting with today. But certainly. You know, growing up on the West Coast, I was very used to the idea of earthquake dr- drills during during school because of the fact that we have earthquakes on the West Coast. Obviously, now we have something that maybe someone my generation didn't go through, and that's active shooter drills. And whatever your comfort level is in terms of both the the importance of that, the relevance, but then also, you know, kind of as you mentioned, you're 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 a mentor, you're a counselor. I imagine some kids when they go through something like that at whatever age. It could can, it can, it can ramp up the stress. What's your role in terms of active shooter drills, but also just, you know, to kind of say, yes, it's important to do, but understand this is a rarity and that, and that we're just trying to be as safe as we can, if that makes sense. You, I would call it more of a team effort. It's okay. a partnership between, I think, the school district and the police department on putting together training, a plan, and teaching our students and staff on what to do on an active intruder. And, mm-hmm. and, and we have done that. Uh, we work hand in hand with that, and again, I think it's the team approach too. If someone is anxious or nervous about something like that, is it not only does put me in the role to help that student, help that person, mm-hmm. staff person, um, but also to the collective staff members to help that that student. We have counselors, we have other other teachers and 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 employees that understand the need for safety, understand the need that we, we have to do these kind of things. Sure. We have to do these drills, but um, it's for the better purpose. And mm-hmm. we do emphasize exactly what you said. It's, it's the rare occasion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I go back to one of the things we use with our, our little kids, our kids that are in our first grade or okay. fifth grade or kindergartners even, is um, we have a theme and even the way we teach them is, I'm not scared, I'm prepared. Hmm. And that's the way we kind of approach that. And we can even roll that into the older kids as well is if you're anxious about it, this is a way to at least walk through it in your mind so that if the occasion were to show up, hey, you've seen this before. We've talked about it before. You're not completely unbeknownst on what mm-hmm. to do. Obviously, you know, the, a lot of lot of times something might be happening outside of a school that that, that creates a situation where you need to lock down. Is it, is it a matter of kind of just being present and, and, and kind of allaying any concerns or just anxieties amongst the kids or the staff? I think even being present does help for sure. Mm-hmm. But what I think the greater role is communication. Okay. Is maybe it's not a direct uh, threat or related issue to the school. There could be something that's happening. Maybe we're dealing with it. Maybe police are, are dealing with something that's completely on the radio of the school, but it's nearby. Sure, sure. And so just as a precaution, we may decide to put that school into a lockout or a lockdown, depending mm-hmm. on the severity of what's happening. And again, I'm there, I'm present, or I'm nearby, and I can hear what we're doing. And I can transfer some of that communication over and say, hey, this doesn't sound like it's going to come to the clo- come near the school, mm-hmm. but... This is what we're dealing with. This is what's going on. Um, I can talk to our leaders, our administration team, the principals, vice principals, counselors, to relay that information to students and staff as needed mm-hmm. and get our administration team at the district level ready um, and aware of what's going on. And when I get them that information, then we can kind of communicate that out to families. I mean, we live in the information now age. I mean, information can spread quickly. Um, and we want and misinformation and can absolutely, spread. and we want that information to be correct. Mm-hmm. You're you're sure. absolutely right, and so 
I think the quicker we can tell people what's going on mm -hmm. and that things are safe mm -hmm. or even not safe, the better I think people are, are going to feel comfortable knowing that, okay, they've got it. They've got it under control. Yeah. Our school district and our police department highly emphasize safety, mm -hmm. safety of our students and safety of our schools. Um, yes, there has been tragedies that have occurred across the nation. And unfortunately, years ago, some here local. Sure. And we are going to do our best to mitigate anything that would come up in the future. And hopefully nothing will and to be prepared to, to take it on. Well, Officer Matt Newton, a, a school resource officer and also a member of the uh, uh, Springfield Police Department, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us. Absolutely, it was a pleasure. That's our show for today and the conclusion of our special series this week on the challenges in education. School has always been a challenge, whether we're talking today or 50 years ago, but there are unique obstacles that kids, teachers, and parents face today that just weren't as prevalent in previous generations. For students, it's the pressure applied by social media, the specter of cyberbullying, and just navigating a world seemingly ripped apart by polarization. For teachers, it's doing more with less, and also sometimes feeling unsupported by the larger community. And for parents, it's fear and confusion about all that their kids go through. Throw into the mix an increase in violence, and it's no wonder that school can sometimes be a cauldron of anxiety. Luckily, there's still so many good things that go on during school. So much learning, so much establishment of community, and so much collaboration between kids and adults. I want to thank all my guests this week. And for today's guests, Trevor Whitbread of South Lane Mental Health and Officer Matt Newton of Springfield PD. This show, along with all episodes of Oregon on the Record, is available at klcc.org. I'm Michael Dunn, and this has been Oregon on the Record on KLCC. Thanks for listening.